Magnificent, splendiferous, hill gugugug. November 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2018. Welcome to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. I just came home from Dollarama. Do you all have a Dollarama in your neighborhood? A Dollarama is basically like a dollar store. Just like a chain, I guess. Dollarama. Nothing to write home to. Squalor. Fucking dump. Filled with the most fucking depraved dregs. Most pinheaded, boneheaded, moronic dipshit dildos known to society. You ever shop at a Dollarama dollar store? What a fucking trying experience. Anywho, I was over at Dollarama before this little uh, recording here, and um, I was just picking up a couple paraphernalia, you know, um, I went and I picked up some uh, Rice Krispie squares. It's pretty, um, it's pretty um, ingenuitive, is that the word? Um, no, 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 it's pretty innovative. Yeah. I'd call it innovative, because basically back in the day when you had Rice Krispie Squares, you used to you used to have to like toil over a hot stove all day, mixing marshmallows and Rice Krispie Squares together into like a batter of sorts, and then like jam them and stuff them and mold them and stick them into like a casserole dish, and then like wait for them to to dry out and cool down, and then you know that's how you would get a Rice Krispie Square. Back in the day, all the toil and sweat and fucking aggravation that went into making a fucking Rice Krispie Square. Rice Krispie, white, white, Rice Krispie Square back in the day was just a goddamn headache. I don't even know how mothers did it. Anyway, it's pretty um, innovative. Um, quite innovative nowadays. You can buy them um, in pre-made packages, right? Snap, crackle, pop, Kellogg's Rice Krispie squares. You ever notice it was the snap, crackle, and snap, crackle, and pop? You ever notice that they were dressed up like the Beatles? I wonder if they ever got a lawsuit. Kellogg's Rice Krispies, you know, it's like, hey mate, you're definitely dressing up like us. Ringo Starr would say, you're dressing up like a fucking beetle. You ain't a beetle, you're a goddamn cartoon serial character. It was 20 years ago today, Sergeant Pepper made Rice Krispie Squares. So let me introduce to you, Sergeant Pepper's Rice Krispie Squares. It's Sergeant Pepper's Rice Krispie Squares. We hope that you enjoy the batch. You're such a lovely... Dessert treat. We'd love to take you home with us. We'd love to take you home. Sergeant Pepper's Rice Krispie Squares. 
Snap, Crackle, and Pop. Kellogg's Rice Krispies, man. They were dressed up like a fucking Beatles. The fucking, uh, you know, the what do, what do they call those things? A, a Bobby? Those imperialistic weirdos with those fluffy uh, water buffalo, uh, you know, like the Flintstone Water Buffalo Club or whatever. Um, the water buffalo fucking big, long, furry hat. What do they call those things? Bobbies? You know, they dress up like a, fu- you know, the, you know, right, snap or crackle or pop. I don't know which one. Well, let me go take a look. I got the box right here. Hold on. One moment, ladies and gentlemen. See, they come in these, you know, these new Rice Krispies. I don't know if they're new. They've been around for a while probably now. But, yeah, they come, these Rice Krispies squares. They come in these little, like, uh, you know, these handy little, uh, little fucking individual, uh, Square packs, uh, they're nowhere as good as mom used to make, right? Well, my mother was a whore, so, you know, she made them from time to time. But, I mean, you know, your mother, she probably made really good ones. But anyways, not quite the same. But, um, let me, let me see this here. Um, yeah, you know, so you got fucking Pop. Well, you know, Snap. Well, let's start from, um, bottom to top. I guess Snap's the cool one. So let's start with the fucking lamest one, which would be Snap. He's dressed in a white fucking chef hat and a white t-shirt and a fucking purple handkerchief wrapped around his neck. Then you got Crackle. He's got a fucking Dr. Seuss Mother Goose cat in the hat fucking toque on his head. Little white handkerchief tied around his neck. Then you got Crackle. Or sorry, no, you got Pop, rather. Pop. He's, he's wearing like one of those like uh, red bobby fucking Englishman fucking coat of arm guard weird looking fucking Beatles outfits on Sergeant Pepper outfit so anyways now you know every little thing about uh, Rice Krispie Squares uh, and what I was doing over at Dollarama so I went and I bought you know a box of Rice Krispie Squares and then I bought some like uh, you know peanuts you know, shelled peanut, not shelled, uh, peanuts, unshelled peanuts in a little bag for my, uh, you know, my little squirrel buddies. That's a part of my passion of life is uh, I feed the squirrels. I'm interested in squirrels. I've always got an eye out for the squirrels. So I went and I bought some shelled peanuts for my squirrel buddies. That's how a squirrel sounds. And then I went and I got some, uh, you know, bird seed for my little uh, bird buddies, you know, sparrows, pigeons. I've actually begun to really like pigeons. They're, they're kind of dirty, gross, and, and they just kind of stand around and get in your way when you're walking down the street and there's shit everywhere. But they have a lot of beautiful qualities. Um, I believe they mate for life. Um, they got a great sense of uh, community. They flock together. They look out for one another and they don't get greedy. Whenever you like spread some bird seed on the ground, the pigeons will like fly up to you and they'll fly up and they'll start pecking, you know, they start pecking at the bird seed, but they never really like bully one another. They're very, uh, they got a lot of manners for a fucking uh, flying rodent, you know, they got a lot of fucking manners. So. I really, I'm really quite in, enamored with uh, pigeons, sparrows. I love. 
I like sparrows too. They're very cute. Same thing. Very mild mannered, uh, fun loving. Uh, you know, great sense of community. And uh, yeah, so I went and I picked up my little treats, treats for my little buddies. So then I go to the counter at Dollarama. I got my Rice Krispie squares, my unshelled peanuts, my fucking bird seed, and uh, I'm trying to ring ring my items out, right? And this fucking crackhead of sorts, some street degenerate, he like sidles up to the fucking front of the till, right? And he's just like babbling to the fucking cashier. He's just like, oh, you know what? Ah, you know what? Uh, you guys don't have any belts. Uh, I noticed you guys don't have any belts. Uh, I don't know, you know, uh, you know, most Dollaramas have belts, and you know, you guys don't have any belts. So now, how am I gonna wear a belt? And you got no belts. <laughs> he like stumbles out of the fucking Dollarama, muttering to himself, <laughs> "No belt." And the, and the cashier lady, she like rolled her eyes, and. <laughs> She rolled her little eyes, right? And it was kind of funny. And then I was going to say to her, you know, oh, great. Now he can't hang himself. You know, a little joke. But I thought it might be a little too harsh for a family setting. Granted, there are a lot of um, broken, disintegrated, uh, fucked up families that shop at Dollarama. I still didn't feel like it was like quite the joke I should have dropped in public like that. You know, kind of a little harsh. (laughs) Now he can't hang himself. (laughs) You know, the image of a homeless man hanging himself with a belt buckle. (laughs) Uh, You know. Is it funny or am I just an asshole? You decide. So anyways, thank you very much for tuning in to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. Um, You know, uh... If you're new to my show, I'm a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. I live in downtown Toronto. I uh, putter around the city trying to get my fucking joke on. Writing jokes, trying to perform jokes, doing the Lord's work. Been doing that for, uh, been doing stand-up comedy for coming up 10 years now. I'm an actor extraordinaire. I've been doing that for 18 years. I'm a... I went to theater school, did a bunch of uh, independent theater, couple independent films, kept my thoughts and prayers on um, performing, and uh, that's just kind of the genesis and the journey of what's been going on with that. I'm an alcoholic, two plus years of sobriety. I encourage anybody out there struggling to go out and seek uh, help. You know, get involved with a sober society. Get involved with um, recovery. Go to whatever lengths you need to. It's worth it. And I'm a temporary laborer. I do little menial, pissant, little fucking day wage jobs. You know, petty little sweeping Broom, mop and bucket, demolition, lumping, furniture moving, factotum, jack-of-all-trade kind of nonsense. Anything to turn a lousy buck. Anything that makes the sound of money. I do. So those are kind of like the little things that I'm involved in as myself, Jonathan Ramcharan. 
So I've been reading the newspaper today, and uh, oddly enough, um, I haven't been really, I haven't had much time for uh, reading the newspaper lately. Just been busy with life, work, comedy, writing, blah blah blah, jerking off. And uh, today was actually one of the most um, interesting newspaper articles, sorry, newspaper experiences I've had in a while. Because you know how it is. Fake news. Just a bunch of, it's just a witch hunt. Fake news. You know, you know how it is with the news these days. It's a bunch of horse shit, usually. People drum up any kind of fucking, you know, squalid, squalor, fucking pissant, dumbass news clipping. Some dumbass, tired story just to get your attention and sell a fucking article or an advertisement. So, you know, generally speaking, the news is a bunch of fake news, witch hunt, a bunch of bullshit, usually. But um, there were some pretty interesting articles in this edition of the Star Metro Toronto. Got it right here in front of me. Interesting enough, I used to hand out newspapers in Toronto. One of my first gigs when I moved to this godforsaken city back in 2011. Well, I've been living in uh, Toronto for two years as of uh, 2007. From 2007 to 2008, I lived in Toronto, Canada. Then I had to move back to Edmonton, Alberta for a couple of years, you know, take care of some lousy, rundown, crummy bullshit in my life. I had to go get my life in order, a couple personal affairs to attend to. So then I moved back to Toronto in uh, January 2011. So January 2011 onward, I've been living in Toronto, Canada. But, um, you know, when I first got back in 2011, I had a gig handing out newspapers. Ah, it was a rummy, crummy sort of affairs, you know, handing out newspapers in downtown Toronto. Minus 25, wind chill, bitter cold, feet like ice blocks, fingers frozen to the nub. Just standing there handing out newspapers, free newspapers to all the fucky, dummy, dilettantes, dipshit fuckfaces of Toronto, Canada. Yeah, it was a lousy sort of fucking gig. But I did it. And, uh, interestingly, I'm slurring a lot of words. Am I drunk? No, but, like, interesting enough, like, uh, they still hand out free newspapers in Toronto. So, anyways, this is a, one of my competitors. I didn't hand out this newspaper. But this is the Star Metro newspaper. Uh, an offshoot of the Toronto Star newspaper, obviously. Anyway, this free news rag I was reading today. Pretty interesting shit, you know. Here's the front uh, cover. One hell of a fight. News of the GM Oshawa plant closure sparks anger and uncertainty in GTA and across Canada. Yeah, the GM uh, car manufacturing, automotive manufacturing uh, plant in Oshawa, Ontario has shut down after uh, several, several years of beloved car manufacturing. According to this news rag, um, production at Oshawa's plant begun, began rather on November 7th, 1953. So yeah, there's some history there and they've been um, employing Ontario, Ontarians, Canadians in the automotive uh, trade, manufacturing trade, for, you know, 50 plus years. And it's a damn shame, you know, uh, people need work. A lot of people think it's uh, petty, uh, nonsensical, uncalled for, 
they feel there's no need for the plant closure, that it could uh, go on. Uh, well, as they say in the article, uh, they are not closing our damn plant without one hell of a fight. That's what Unifor President Jerry Dias told, told workers. Sorry, Jerry Diaz, rather. Jerry Diaz, the Unifor president. I guess that's like the... Uh, uh, what do you call that shit? Union for the automotive workers, right? They're not closing our plant without one hell of a damn fight. One hell of a fight. Well, sorry, Jerry. Uh, business is business. I think they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. But um, it is sad. These people, uh, you know, hey, they need jobs. Tale as old as time. But you know what? Part of GM's closure, apparently, is um, they're trying to make way for um, the electric uh, automotive industry. They're going to go towards, um, they're going to move towards uh, manufacturing electric cars. In the process, there's a lot more um, electric moving assembly line production. So they don't need as many, you know, human working robots you can call these people robots uh you know they don't need as much manpower person power to make these fucking automotive vehicles they're going to go like electric electric uh, robots to manufacture these electric cars and you know what like on the on side up the, on the bright side is like they're moving towards electric powered cars you know and the funny fucking thing is a lot of these workers, yeah, it's a kick in the balls, but, you know, quit your belly aching. Like, you're complaining that, <laughs> you're complaining that, you know, they're manufacturing, uh, they're cutting down the plant, they're shutting down the plant, and what it's going to mean to the communities and families and stuff. There is no future unless it's a green future. We have to go green with a lot of things. And if we can start a sense of, like, electric cars, start, like, the the beginning of the automotive, like, to really get on board with this whole electric car thing. That's the way of the future. You can't have all these um, emissions polluting the earth just so people can drive from Dollarama to Dollarama buying useless garbage, right? So, you know, hey, you know, it's tough on the family to have, like, a big uh, layoff, cut down, cut back like that. But, yo, like, there's going to be no family if we don't kick, if we don't kick, if we don't take care of the earth. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. We have, we have environmental issues to con be concerned with as well. <laughs> but you know what? As a temporary worker, I understand. It's a bitch. You know, it's a motherfucker to be, like, um, in fear of your job. And uh, especially a lot of these workers. A lot of these workers have worked for GM for, like, 20-plus uh, years. You know, they have one worker they quote in here is working... 32 years. You know, there's an electrician that they uh, speak to in this news article. It's somber here. This is the third time I've been through this, and it's awful, says this uh, electrician who's worked for GM for 32 years. Hey. Times are changing. Check this out. Ex-Toronto cop gets house arrest for eating seized pot edibles on duty. 
<laughs> a now ex-Toronto police officer who committed an egregious breach of public trust by stealing and eating cannabis-infused chocolate while on duty has received a nine-month conditional sentence, six months of it, to be served under house arrest. Former Constable Vito Vittorio Dominelli, 36, made a reckless, immature, and impulsive decision to ingest evidence stolen from a just-raided Toronto pot dispensary, <clears throat> committing multiple breaches of trust in doing so, Ontario Court Justice Mary Meisner said in a New Market courtroom on Monday. The consequences of his actions are very serious, and ramifications go, will be, sorry, go well beyond this, this case. Meisner continued noting criminal charges were withdrawn against several, seven people in connection to the pot dispensary bust. Dominelli pleaded guilty earlier this month to attempting to obstruct justice and has resigned from the force. There's a picture of this fucking idiot. Oh my God. <clears throat> a Toronto cop eats raided pot-infused chocolate edibles at a fucking Toronto dispensary drug bust. Yeah, the police force, what's to, you know, what's to like about them? It takes a very, I think Raymond Chandler said this once in a fucking gumshoe dime store novel that I wrote. You know, it attracts the greatest of men, the police force, but there's nothing in it for them. Something along those lines. It demands the best of people, but what's in it for them? We're all in our own mind. We're all living in our own world. We're all egotists to a certain extent. This fucking idiot does not give a fuck about the public. That's not why he became a police officer, obviously. To steal fucking um, seized drug paraphernalia and ingest it on duty. He's obviously not a fucking police officer for the people. He's a self-interest, self-minded egotist who wants it his way all day and nothing but. And fuck him. He resigned and fuck him. And fuck any person in the fucking forces who enlists for self-serving reasons. Fuck him. I was watching a fucking uh, documentary. Can I say fuck anymore? Fuck. I've been watching a fucking documentary on Vietnam. It was like a seven-part documentary on Netflix. Seven, nine-part, whatever. Generally speaking, the Vietnam conflict, as far as I could gather, in a nutshell, stemmed from a century of imperialism conducted and orchestrated by the French. When that crumbled... The U.S. came in under a false guise of servitude and uh, cooperation, which led to even more division within the Vietnamese people. There was basically two parties, tribes, whatever you want to call it. The Viet Cong and the, I forget what they're called, like the... The V-A-R, or basically the Vietnamese army. So you got the Viet Cong, which are like the uh, Viet Cong, which are like the 
guerrilla fighters, the freedom fighters, the um, the sovereign the sovereign fighters, I guess you'd call it, people for fighting for the liberation of Vietnam. And then you have the uh, the Vietnamese army, which are sided with the Americans and kind of still steeped in colonialism. They're just trying to survive more or less, and they're, you know, a step-and-fetch-it man, you know, a whipping boy more or less. So then the fucking over, like... I don't know, was it, I forget exactly, like a 10-year period, however long the Vietnam War was, was somewhere pretty lengthy for a fucking trumped-up, bullshit, fake, uh, pointless war that they orchestrated for, you know, obviously some inflated sense of Americanism, some sense of, oh, we're trying to stop the spread of uh, communism in the fucking East. Hmm, Really? Human beings are egotists. They're not interested in anything that doesn't have to anything to do with them. You were, they were there for their own self-interest, and they did not have the humility to retreat when it was time to retreat. They couldn't beat the Viet Cong, but they stuck in there, costing like, you know, 250,000 plus American human lives to be just flushed down the toilet. And fuck them. Fuck them. You, you, you start speak, they start doing interviews with some of these Vietnamese, uh, sorry, some of these Vietnam veterans, and they all got the same story. I thought I was fucking Rambo. I thought I was Hercules. I was going to go there and single-handedly defeat the Viet Cong and teach them what civilization really means. I'm, I'm this person who, um, who wanted to seek adventure and um, stature and the accolades of a war vet and blah, blah, blah. I wanted to go and seek my adventure like my forefathers of the World War One and Two. These idiots that didn't learn anything from nothing. I want to go out and kill people for my own self-serving glorification. And fuck them. Granted, a lot of them were drafted. <laughs> kidnapped from the womb of their mother to go and fight a fucking rich man's war. But, that being said... Still, a lot of them chose to. A lot of these, a lot, a lot of middle class, fucking dummies that were accepted to universities that could have got a pass, could have dodged, uh, become a draft dodger. Just not even become a draft dodger, but rather um, been skipped over because they've been accepted to post secondary institutions. They chose to go fight that war anyways for their own egotistical, fucking self serving interests. I'm a Renaissance man. I'm going to go kill those fucking slopes and teach them a lesson. You know, like disgusting racist bullshit. And, um, yeah, there you have it. So, like, just like this idiot who ate that pot, pot chocolate cookie or whatever the fuck he ate. He ate a pot chocolate bar, this stupid fucking pig, this dumbass fucking self-serving cop. I really got no fucking, I got no fucking sympathy for the fucking armed forces person who enlists for self-serving interests. You made your bed, now die in it. Um, what else do we got here? Interesting newspaper, I tell you. Uh, we're hiring! Join one of Canada's best employers. 
Apply at fedex.ca slash careers. Hey, I should go apply at FedEx. Like I told y'all, if you've been listening to my podcast, uh, Jonathan Ramtrand, the podcast, I've been looking for a more um, steady type of job. You know, maybe I'll join the police force. But I've been looking for a more steady type of job where I can um, have a more steady flow of income. That way I could put it towards my performing uh, endeavors, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll go apply at FedEx. Ship cocaine across the border and pretend like, what, what, I don't what. What else, what else, what else? Oh, check this out. China claims to be the first to make Gene-edited babies. Is that a gene-edited baby? Oh my god, he's adorable! What editing software did you use for your baby? Oh, uh, Windows uh, 12? Yeah, that's what I use. Oh, well, actually, no, I'm more of a Apple person myself. Uh, Jesus Christ. Gene-edited babies. The researcher, He Jianku of Shenzhen said he altered embryos for seven couples during fertility treatments with one pregnancy resulting thus far. His goal was not to cure, his goal was not to cure or prevent an inherited disease, but to try to bestow an ability to resist possible future infection with HIV and AIDS, the AIDS virus. Hmm. I'm gonna stick a cork up a cork stick a cork up a baby's ass and hope he doesn't catch AIDS. Like what 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 do you mean instill some fucking resistance to like how do you what? Did you take your fucking HIV pills? I don't know. Apparently they can do it. And uh yeah, gene edited babies. I don't know. Don't know. Doesn't sound too uh wholesome. Is that a GMO baby? My baby's non-GMO. Uh-huh. Oh, and the pièce de résistance of this uh, edition of the uh, Star Metro Toronto. Crispy tofu and barbecue sauce. Tofu recipe. Oh, wow. Serves four ingredients. One tablespoon of butter. One fourth teaspoon onion powder, one fourth teaspoon garlic powder, one half cup of ketchup, one fourth cup vegetable broth, one tablespoon Worcester sauce, one tablespoon cider vinegar, one testosterone fueled teaspoon of maple syrup, one tablespoon of Dijon mustard, one egg, one three fourth cups of panko breadcrumbs, one pound firm tofu cut into eight thick slices. Two tablespoons of vegetable oil, one head Boston lettuce cut into wedges. Directions. In a small pot over medium, heat, melt the butter with the spices. Whisk in the ingredients from the ketchup through to the mustard. Bring to a boil and simmer for five minutes or until sauce thickens slightly. Season with pepper and set aside. Two, beat the eggs in a shallow dish. Place the panko in a second dish. Season the tofu with salt and pepper. Three, dip the tofu in the beaten eggs. Shake and remove any excess, then firmly press into the panko 
to coat. Four, in a non-stick skillet over medium heat. Heat, brown half of the tofu at, at a time in the oil. Add oil if needed. Drain on paper towels. Serve the tofu with lettuce wedges and barbecue sauce. Why did I say that in such a menacingly fake British accent? I don't know. But um, I was a little bit intrigued. I'm like, hmm, barbecue tofu. I'm a pescatarian. I don't want to kill a fucking piglet just so I can eat a fucking barbecue sandwich. You know? I ain't no fucking heathen. I would never order a fucking GMO gene-edited baby. I'm a God-fearing man. Living on God's green earth. Give it to me simple. Give it to me organic. Pluck out a couple fucking soybeans. Whisk up a fucking tofu. And uh, yeah, I'll eat it. Barbecue style, baby. Hallelujah. Maybe I'll make some barbecue fucking crispy tofu with barbecue sauce. And that covers Tuesday, November 27th in the year of our Lord 2018 edition of the Star Metro Toronto newspaper. Intriguing. So yeah, you know, Part of why um, I felt like reading the newspaper today is, um, you know, things have been really chill in my life lately, you know? Didn't have so much of a personal angle on this episode, you know? I've just been really doing the Lord's work, busting it out, getting out there and, um, you know, working, paying the bills, writing, been writing incessantly, feverishly. Just been writing and writing and writing for the podcast. Different little um, episodes that um, are soon to come. Kind of like a sticky bit radio play type of thing. You know, very excited for that. And I've just been kind of folksy-woksy, you know, just like, you know. Like, for example, um, one of the most exciting things I did as of late is um, I had a pumpkin spiced latte. I drank a fucking pumpkin spiced latte at Starbucks. Delicious, of course. Six dollars. But delicious, I'm telling you. Oh my god, and I even tipped. Gave him a dollar tip. Seven dollar fucking cup of coffee. But oh my god, beautiful. Pumpkin spiced latte. Gorgeous. I, 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 I highly recommend it. Next on the menu I'm going to try is the peppermint uh, mocha latte. Don't know when that is. I might put that off till the weekend. Something to look forward to, you know, get a little crazy on a fucking Saturday morning, go for a peppermint mocha latte at Starbucks. Hallelujah, you know, keeping it simple, keeping it healthy, keeping it in recovery. You know, like I said, eating Rice Krispie Squares, judging my peasant fucking neighbors at the local Dollarama. A lot of folky stuff going on in my life right now. Not a whole lot to report, but very inspired, very forward thinking. Um, I bought a lamp. Yeah, I got a new table lamp for my uh, desk where I concoct and conduct my uh, podcast, where I sit and write, where I read books. But it's a little dark and uh, menacing in this corner where I have my desk set up. And sometimes I have a hard time, uh, not a hard time, but sometimes it's just a little dim. You know, I could use a little bit of extra lighting. So I'm like, yeah, let me go get a table lamp. So I went to Walmart, picked out a charming little rustic uh, table lamp. I'll post a picture on the podcast website. Cute, charming little table lamp, but like, Jesus, they were charging like, like a king's ransom. 
charged the king's ransom for this fucking table lamp, man. Like, when all was said and done, it cost me like $40. Couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll go spend like, uh, you know, 15 bucks. I mean, it's a table lamp. How much could it possibly be? B. Yeah, $45 later. And I got like a cheap one. But hey, you know, my, uh, my eyes are very important to me. Must maintain them. Must maintain my health. I can't be reading in the dark like some fucking, you know, street peasant under a lamp post. Checking the fucking uh, basketball and hockey scores. That way they can play their little fucking sports betting. No, I need a fucking well-lit area to read my shit. Read my comic books. You know? I'm a very learned man. And yeah... Been watching Netflix, like I mentioned, that seven, eight-part, nine-part Vietnam documentary. Very interesting. Though I came down heavy on the hammer, like criticizing armed forces and the police departments of the world. But like, generally speaking, when when you're engaged in law enforcement, when you're dealing with life and death, when you got a gun on you, and you're in the business of... Crowd control, serving the public, law and order. You know, when you're in that kind of an industry, you you don't got room for ego and you don't got room for error. And if you and if you do have those things, you're in the wrong fucking industry. It's disgusting enough when people have ego and self-righteousness in areas where there's no matter and no need for it. Like when you, you know, I work, like I said, I work at a peasant salary. I move furniture and sweep up fucking garbage for a living. Yet I bump and bumble into people with ego and self-interest up the wazoo. And it's just like pointless and disturbing and um, frustrating to work with them. And it's like, yo, we're just sweeping up garbage and cleaning up debris. Why do you have such a fucking ego self-centered attitude you know why do you got a fucking egg timer up your fucking ass you anxious fucking clod like calm the fuck down and pull your head out of your ass and do a fucking honest day's work you fucking bureaucrat then you got these fucking dummies uh carrying um life and death on the side of their fucking hip a pistol a gun and you know they're out there Killing people in the name of, uh, like, the rage of the against machine, people said. Killing in the name of what? Killing in the name of... Motherfucker! Dun, 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 dun. Killing in the name of what? Your self-ego. But anyways, there are some good things on Netflix. I watched um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That was like a, um, you know, what do they call that shit? What do they call it? I mean, who directed it? Um, the Coen brothers. Love them. They got like a 25, 30 year in that area, quarter century of um, just engaging, funny, thoughtful, stylistic uh, cinema. One of my favorites, the Coen brothers. And uh, they had recently come out with, uh, like, I think, like a, um, you know, it was, it's like a Western dramedy, you know, in the, in the Coen brothers style. Uh, 
six-part vignette motion picture film called, uh, you know, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And it's dope as shit. I highly recommend it. It's on uh, Netflix. I mean, it's hit and miss at times, but it's generally a hit. And even when they miss, it's the Coen brothers. It's always interesting, right? So, like, uh, in my opinion, right? So, you know, go check it out. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. And what else? Uh, There's a couple other cool things I checked out on Netflix. I'm really starting to dig it, you know? Uh, I was really kind of anti-Netflix just because I didn't want to get so swept up in the... uh, What the fuck? Is that a child screaming outside my door? A dog barking near my abode? Am I going to have to call the cops? Or are they going to be too busy getting stoned on fucking contraband, fucking edibles? Anyway, seized edibles that they stole. Fucking stuffed themselves silly with somebody else's marijuana. Anyway, um, great programming on Netflix, but I was kind of against it for a bit there just because I've been kind of trying to dial in on my own energy, stay focused on my own things like playing bass guitar, which is one of my beloved hobbies, Uh, working on the joke writing, working on the craft, working on the podcast. So, you know, binge watching can be a real fucking allure, a real time suck. Hey, maybe a happy waste of time, but still somewhat of a waste of time to just sit around and binge watch shit. Well, anyways, every now and then it's okay, right? So, yo, I'm down with Netflix and they've got some really great programming, so... That's just one of the things that that's kind of new to me right now. You know, uh, going forward into the new year, I'm really getting the sense that I got to get out there and hustle a little, a little bit more. You know, I'm hustling, trying to get my shows put together. But like, I got to get out there and hustle more in the career, right? Uh, I take my ups and downs with the acting. You know, I was putting out a lot of acting resumes as of late. I wasn't getting any feedback and I was kind of getting a little defeated, so I took a step back, focused on the podcast, focused on trying to get my comedy show produced. And now that I got a little bit more of a, you know, a little bit of a clear head regarding the acting, I want to step forward in the new year and try to get some more acting work, see what I can do, really shake a tail feather, bust my ass chaps together, right? Really go out there and see what I can do, get some acting work, right? Gotta try. And also um, step up my game in terms of the hobbies, right? Like I said, I'm a hardworking dude, so, you know, I've been boring myself lately. You know, like I said, very folky, you know? Some of the newest things in my life are just, you know, some of the greatest things in my life have just been, you know, a nice, well-cooked meal. I was at a job yesterday through my temp agency. Uh, it was at a hotel moving some furniture around. And one of the blessings was um, they fed us. They gave us a beautiful uh, hotel-cooked meal, fancy hotel-cooked meal. I had myself, like, salmon, uh, grilled eggplant, chickpea salad, um, nice warm, nice hot cup of coffee, lemon water, um, freshly diced tomatoes, uh, a little bit of salad, carrot cake, little cinnamon and chocolate Danish. Like it was a blessed meal that I had yesterday on top of the pumpkin spice latte I had previously. So it's like just all these little blessings, right? 
keeping it real humble, keeping it real folky, but I want to come out guns a blazing in 2019 with just like, I want to be regaling you with stories of like, I was climbing a mountain, I was playing, uh, I was swimming in the sea, I was going here, I was doing there, you know, like I want to really step up my fucking um, prowess in the coming year, you know what I mean? Because, um, you know, I've been playing it a little too safe, even though I've been working real hard, busting my chops, busting my hump, trying to put this fucking career of mine together. But, you know, feeling real inspired to look forward to that, you know? The writing is really coming along, having a lot of fun with that. Uh, I'm actually going to wrap this up pretty quick here because I want to go and do some more writing for the podcast. Um, I got something coming down the pike um, the next one or two episodes. Um, I got something that I've been writing, a little uh, radio play, and I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. So I'm really looking forward to that. Stay tuned. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty in the year of our Lord, 2018. I forget if I mentioned the date, November 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thank you very much for listening. Like I said, keep tuned in. I've got some really interesting radio plays coming down the pike on the podcast. I've got some shows coming down the line in Toronto, Canada, in the works right now, getting those booked. When I have more information, I'll definitely let you know. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. God bless the armed forces. Have them have the humility to serve the way they serve and stay safe the way they need to stay safe. Till next time, job less. Talk to you later. Peace.